Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. These were ladies from war-torn areas like Syria and Yemen, Lebanon, and places that had been through incredible trauma. And they had been in the charity space maybe for about three or four months, and they had never taken up trauma counseling. And what they told us was, when I knew that my kids were gonna be fed, and I had the house kind of half organized, as a mother, I was able to take a break. Okay, I'm gonna do some self-care work. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real-world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry. My name is Carol Rossborough, and I am co-founder and CEO of Esther. Esther is a peer-to-peer giving platform, allowing charitable donors to give directly to people living in poverty. So we help connect people who want to help people who are in financial difficulty in a local, hyper-local way. So how people in need receive donations is quite unique to Esther. They receive them on a prepaid card. Uh, We call this their Esther card. Um, We try to keep this totally brand free. It just looks like a normal bank card. And people can then use that donation to go and spend it on helpful household items or groceries. I mean, our recipients at the moment are spending it on school uniforms and shoes, um, groceries, household items, um, buying bus tickets to go visit family or putting new light fixtures into their living room, things that they haven't had the money to do before. We do have restrictions on our card solution for our recipients that that mostly safeguards the donation for helpful household items. So if you're an Esther recipient, if you're a woman in need, you're receiving a donation, you can't spend that money on alcohol, gambling, or sometimes even cash withdrawal uh, and some online purchases. Uh, We switch off these high-risk products to ensure that this donation is protected um, for helpful items for the family. We also find as well that a lot of women will sometimes have um, somebody in the family that potentially has an addiction, they maybe have a gambling problem or even an abusive partner. There's a risk that that would be taken off them. So we do put in those checks and balances on the card and we just allow donors to give directly. So I hope that makes sense as a, as a starter. The two biggest questions at this stage that we always get asked are number one, how do you identify people in need? So we rely on charity partners to register and onboard people in need in their own community. So this could be a food bank, um, a homeless shelter, a women's shelter. Um, we're even chatting with local primary schools at the moment who are very aware of what families are in need know people in the community uh, and have been doing this for 20, 30, 50 years sometimes. So when people look at Esther, they think, oh, you're disruptive. You're, you're disrupting the charity space. I don't really like that word in terms of our vision. What I would say is that we're a collaborative platform. We value collaboration. We value community. So we love and value We work very closely with them to make sure that people on the Esther platform are well looked after and they're on a journey of growth. There you go. My my background is is tech and marketing. Um, I've always done communications and PR advertising within the tech community with one husband and one daughter in that race is currently being entertained um, somewhere upstairs. And we are two years into our tech journey. 
so there we go that's a little bit about me a little bit about the company and um i wanted to start our journey with a person um if anyone does product design or if anyone is within the design community you know so much that we always start with human-centered design human-centric design so i'm going to talk about why the charity space isn't working and where the culture really stemmed from um initially when and i want to start with maslow's hierarchy of needs but if you think about charity services right in your mind think about charity services and think about the sort of things that charities do for example you've got education programs for children maybe after schools clubs uh then you have uh, you know food bags that go out maybe once a week to families then you've got kind of mental health charities um doing counseling and cbt therapies uh, potentially cooking skills, budgeting skills, debt management skills, and these kind of really fabulous, valuable, uh, vital soft services. What we are finding, these all land in the middle of Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, they're about self-esteem, they're about safety, they're about education. What they don't do very well is the very bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is basic needs. And this is stuff like heating electricity um keeping food on the table your monthly budget is enough to feed your children and to live a little right to throw a birthday party or take them to the cinema or maybe even a holiday once a year so what we're finding at this stage and particularly with covid is that people do not have enough money don't have enough money to to really put proper food on the table and it's incredibly stressful so I'll jump into reading a little bit about Joanne. Uh, she is one of the ladies on our platform. Joanne isn't her real name. She does live in Belfast. She's a single mom with three children. She lives in Belfast in a two bedroom house with no back garden. She suffers from loneliness and social anxiety. She can only afford fresh fruit at the weekends when it's reduced on offer. And the rest of the week she feeds her family from what she has in the freezer. Joanne lives in constant stress about her finances. She tries to save, but when her washing machine breaks, she is back to crisis again. Joanne, like many others, is caught in the poverty trap. There are lots and lots of charity options for Joanne to get help with her mental health or skills or budgeting. But ultimately, and this is the core, core part of Esther, ultimately for Joanne to grow, Esther at its core is about providing both. We believe that working with a charity that provides really great soft services and underpinning Joanne's financial stability will lead her to a better future. Next, where did it all start? My fabulous co-founder, this is Eilish McCall. Um, she is currently on maternity leave with a six-week-old baby girl, new baby Eleanor. So she's a little busy right now. Um, Eilish and I have known each other for two years. And this all started when I some random concepts about how we might use blockchain to give people money. So in the early days of Esther, uh, I was writing white papers on how could we build a platform on top of Ethereum that would allow us to uh, completely bypass the charity space. This was early concepts, which was completely broken, which early concepts usually are broken. But that's how it all started was blockchain and thinking how could we give people money with trust and transparency um, and also have it on a ledger that could be viewed publicly so that there would be no fraud um, and that this could be something we could do locally to start it off with and then maybe on a global scale and I think you know when when you have an idea and you need help with it 
I encourage you, torture people, you know, really get in their faces and ask for help, um, ask for resources. What books should I be reading? Um, give me some YouTube videos. So I would like email him on LinkedIn. What books should I be reading about this in the market? What would you do? Um, if we did this, could what? And you know, all the blockchain stuff that you get into in an early concept. And I think he got fed up with me in the most loving, loving way and said, you need a business partner. In fact, let me introduce you to one of my, one of my employees. Um, and he introduced me to the fabulous Eilish McCall. And it was like two worlds collided. I'm a thinker. I'm a talker. I'm a strategist. Um, I sort of jump before uh, I think. Um, I'm, I'm sort of much more of a risk taker. Eilish is literally the opposite. She... Um, she is really organized. She's diligent. Uh, she's a planner. She's an organizer. She will think through every single possible thing that would go wrong. Wrong, uh, And when it just worked, um, we have the most wonderful co-founding relationship built on friendship, honesty, and um, a joint desire to see the future change. And so that, that would be my first point. Um, Get started, start small, and find someone to go on the journey with you. Having a friend when you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from or uh, you're just about to leave your job. Having a friend do the same thing with you makes it a whole lot more fun. So, the wonderful Eilish. Yes. So, diversity is really important to us. I mean, diversity of skill set right there between Eilish and I is really important. So, what was our first year like with Esther? Um, we really wanted to validate some of our theories. Um, we didn't know a lot of stuff. And I want to say, if you're thinking about starting a company or you have a concept in your head or you're in the middle of your startup journey, in the middle of a room, not knowing the answers, and your job is to figure them out. It's to have coffees with people. It's to educate yourself. It's to do little experiments to prove your theories wrong or right. And that's ultimately what our first year was about relationships with people in the charity space with people who gave um we had to do a lot of digging around in terms of legal work to find out if what we were doing was even legal and we were still working full-time jobs at that stage so we met once a week on a monday night we did three hours of work and the rest of the week we would ring people and we would have coffee with people and we would write out what we wanted to find out that week and that was our first year what did we not know? We didn't know, would anybody work with us, right? We wanted charity partners to do the validation work for us better than we did. Thought we might bypass them. And then we research, we realized um, they were of incredible value in terms of the relationship and soft services that they offer to the community. Uh, there are some platforms out there that just give, just do money. Um, we believe in collaboration. So we needed partners. The second thing is if even if we work with us, would anybody on the donation side, would anyone actually give us money? We weren't a registered charity. We were two women with an idea. And would anyone actually trust us? The third thing we really wrestled out in our first year is, are we a charity? Are we a tech platform? Are we for enterprise? Are we a nonprofit? Research on what is what is it we actually want to achieve? At what scale do we want to achieve it? At what pace do we want to achieve it? And is this something that's going to stay local or do we want this to be a global movement? So while we wrestled out all of those options, ultimately we landed on a tech for good platform that is for profit. Um, within the UK, we do have a charity wing to claim gift aid, um, but the rest of the world, 
did the UK government are a little bit fabulous like that. They gave us 25% on top of every pound. Um, and we do make use of that in the UK. We have two companies registered in the UK, a fintech company and a charity wing. They both work in conjunction with each other. But our US model, we're a pure uh, for-profit fintech company and we're tech for good. And we of six or seven percent so that's our model our business model and that took us a long time to figure out because we are kind of breaking boxes in terms of what we're doing and the fourth thing was you know, is this even legal right i mean you have an idea and then we had to really plumb the depths of um getting legal people on board making sure we were registered well um did we need a money transfer license uh, were we able to work the money through our partner charities would it impact anybody's benefits, their food stamps? We had to look at all of that as well. So that took a lot of work. Uh, so that was our first year. So we did that. So that was all the stuff we didn't know. Um, what did we know? And something honestly that you all know right now, looking at your own communities. Uh, within Belfast, we knew that childhood poverty was rising. There was a statistic from the UN in April 2018 that absolutely floored me. A piece of research, and they said children would be predicted to be living in poverty in the UK within three years. Uh, and that's, that was staggering to me. I thought, how is it possible that we are so resourced, we are so educated, we're so well connected, uh, and we have more zero-coded platforms and opportunities, and yet we are still seeing children in our in our communities on our doorstep not eating how is this happening and that was really really um what what drove me to to applying my tech skills and my strategy all of my experience um and trying to get a bunch of people on board with me for free to tackle this problem let's tackle inner city poverty let's give people money um let's try this so that's what really drove me i knew that people were struggling to put food on the table. I knew that this was, if anyone is involved in smart cities research, you'll know that by 2045, 70% of the world's population will be in our cities, right? They're gonna be urban. So it's not going to go away. In fact, the problem of, of cities and poverty is going to get worse. Um, again, in Belfast and probably all over the world, uh, domestic violence was on the increase. Domestic violence in Northern Ireland um, increased by 20%, which is horrendous, and I'm sure it's happening all over the world. What really drove me at this stage in the business was I knew that women were being devalued. Um, the platform does cater for homelessness, uh, destitute asylum seekers, it does cater for low-income families and various other programs. But in the beginning, ultimately my passion was women, uh, particularly those women who chose to work in the home raising children. Um, there's a fabulous researcher, which I haven't quoted here in my slides, called Mariana Mazzucato. I heard her speak at an EY conference last year. And she's an Italian economist, and she's one of the most incredible people on uh, economics and value. And she play on the difference between value and price. And what she says is there are people within our society who add enormous value, like women raising the future of our nation. And there are also people in our society who have a huge price tag, like consultants who charge massive amounts of money or bankers or people within or whatever. So you have these people in our society who have a huge price tag on their work, but maybe aren't adding enough value. And then you have people adding enormous value like our NHS, um, the hospitals, the care workers, the doctors, the nurses, the women raising children, 
who are massively devalued. That isn't the future that I wanted to bring my daughter up into. It's not the future I want to see. I want to see women who have enough money, not just to put money, not just put food on the table, but to really look after themselves, their mental health, to have opportunities and um, to reskill, to go back to, to work. If it wanted these women to be enormously valued in our society. So that's what we did know. We knew we had conviction. We knew we had passion. Uh, we knew we had work to do and we knew we had questions we wanted answered. Okay, so how could we test quickly with no money and no code? We built a website on Wix with a sign up form, right? Anyone can do that. Anybody can build a website on Wix. Uh, we made a video on LinkedIn and we convinced a charity that this was a good idea and we launched a pilot with what could possibly go um we basically took a vision of running a, a small pilot with a charity and we needed to get donors on board so i made a video i said look we're going to give people money um we're going to give five women who are living on 37 they're raising children they're trying to buy nap bottles um and put food on the table for 37 pound a week and these are women who were at asylum seekers in belfast we're going to help them with their, their grocery budget. We're going to give them some Tesco vouchers, some store vouchers. And I put that on LinkedIn and we had 100 people from the business community sign up in three weeks. We had a huge response on LinkedIn. So we knew that people were interested in giving in a different way, in a more connected way. We had convinced a charity that, look, all we want to do is try this out. Will you help us? They said, you're completely crazy, but yes. And, and then we just decided that we were going to launch this pilot. So off we went. What could possibly go wrong? It actually went incredibly well. So we launched a pilot over Christmas. We gave five women with children, 50 pounds a week. 100 people signed up, ready to give, and it was go time. And it was over Christmas. And we had a MailChimp account, a mobile phone, a Wix website, uh, and LinkedIn videos. And that's what we had. Eilish and I laugh about this now, but uh, we call this chapter the longest Christmas break ever. Uh, we were utterly exhausted. <laughs> um, we hadn't done anything like this before, and we just threw everything we had into it. To do manually, that we wanted eventually the product to do automatically. We needed to get the charity to register the people in need. So they needed to write some bios for the ladies in need and anonymize their names. So we needed to know what Joanne's story was or what Talora's story or who is Vivian and why is she in need in Belfast. So we wrote a little bit about the ladies and then we manually matched the donors with the five recipients. That was to get the money across. Then we needed to get to chat to the ladies and, and actually ask them, well, what did you spend the money on? And get those stories back to us and then we text all 100 of the donors on a weekly basis. Um, it was exhausting. But what we were doing manually was the simulation technology would achieve when we built it. It was a lot of work, but we got we got incredible responses. I mean, some of the stories that these women were telling us were just amazing. One of the ladies said, you know, um, I, I haven't been able to um, put curtains in my living room. So I've been living in my house now for six months and I haven't had any um, I've had no light fittings in the bathrooms because I haven't had enough money after I pay my grocery bill to put these things in place. Uh, one of the other ladies was was living in social housing. She had an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and the social housing had provided her with a single bed and a baby's cot. 
And so she was sleeping in the single bed with her eight-year-old bed and the six-year-old was sleeping in a cot. And what she did after she had uh, two weeks worth of money, she had a hundred pounds and she bought a bed and she bought some bed linen and um, she was able then to put her six-year-old in the, in the other bed. So these stories were coming back. We were getting these stories through and then we were texting these stories and saying like that 20 pounds that you gave went to Tolura and she was able to, you know, it helped her buy a bed for her son. What we realized is that the more connected our donors felt to these women in our community, the more they wanted to help. A lot of our donors were from the business community. They worked in the tech space. They were founders, entrepreneurs. Maybe they were marketers or, or mothers with children um, and they had very, very busy lives. And when we did our research after the pilot, what they said was, I would never meet Tolura in my little bubble, how I live my life. What Esther does for me is connects me to someone truly in need and I feel connected, I feel part of her life. So we knew that connection was incredibly important. We did our recipient research after the pilot. So we asked the ladies in Nate, how did this make you feel? And they said some things that were really interesting. These were ladies from war-torn areas like Syria and Yemen, Lebanon, and places that had been through incredible trauma. And they had been in the charity space maybe for about three or four months, and they had never taken up trauma counseling. And what they told us was, when I knew that my kids were going to be fed and I had the house kind of half organized, as a mother, I was able to take a break. Okay, I'm going to do some self-care work. It wasn't that the money paid for the counseling. It, the charity was organized in the counseling. It was their mind was freed up from the stress of uh, fight, flight or flight syndrome. Um, their kids were going to be fed. Okay, my babies are okay. I'm going to do some so that was really exciting, the first pilot for us, watching these women really engage in self-care and, and look after themselves. The other thing that they told us, um, you know, when we were doing our interviews after the pilot was they said, look, this feels different than charity. This is the ladies receiving the money. They said, it feels like friends are supporting me. It feels like I have a group of cheerleaders who are for me and want to see me succeed. I feel incredibly loved and valued. It feels different than charity. It feels different than being handed a food bag. And that was deeply exciting from our perspective as well, because ultimately our vision, although we're building a product to net donors, our vision children and people living below hard, uh, not just financially, but emotionally. So it was, a, it was a great experience. So after all of that, what did we do? We built a live platform. So we took all of our research and um, we built a donor app. We have a charity worker app, and this is for the person who works when, in one of our partner charities. And um, the charity worker can log in and they can leave updates um, about how Sarah is. So those updates um, then are passed on to the Esther admin. We kind of proof check it a bit and then that gets sent out to our donors um, and various other portals. Uh, and that, that was all built from our pilot research and our um, interview questions afterwards. So it was only really at this stage exactly what we were you know we could call ourselves a peer-to-peer -peer platform or a social impact movement but what we unlocked were certain phrases that kept coming up again and again in our research um i love the connection i felt connected um our charities kept talking about collaboration this is the first collaboration tool that we've really been able to use um people kept saying hyper-local giving this is about people helping other people 
I can't believe the stories I'm hearing. Some of our donors were saying, this is like a real person. She's just like me. She's trying to raise her kids. What Esther is, is a deep sense of local community powering for each other. Um, it's about belonging. We heard this again and again from our recipients. I feel like I belong in this city because people are supporting me. Um, our homeless, you know, guys on, on the streets and we're doing a homeless program, they were saying, for the first time, I feel a part of society again. They were able to sit in coffee shops. They were able to go and buy themselves new clothes that they liked, not from a charity shop. Um, so we took our research findings, we built, we applied for grant funding, we built the platform and Eilish and I spectacularly walked out of our jobs. Yay. So where are we now? Platform now for six months. Um, we have 16 charity partners. We have over 300 donors giving through the platform, supporting women and children, destitute asylum seekers and a homeless program in Belfast. We are engaging businesses to give off their top line. And in fact, based on um, about five months, Business donors, we now run dashboards uh, for a nice little dashboard once a quarter and they find out who they're giving to and what impact it's having. Excitingly for us, we're launching our first pilot in Colorado in September. Um, and we're really excited to kind of jump into the States. I think um, it's a different culture, and but, but in the same vein of thought, local community in a deep way, particularly with COVID-19. So we're running um, a homeless program in Denver. We're running a program to get 250 people off the streets of Denver. We have a combination of rehab and lump sum donations getting people into local housing, women who are raising children who um, need more money to, um, to help get their families through this time. So there's two pilots running in Colorado and they are starting in September. Deeply exciting stuff. Um, that's kind of the end of the formal stuff. Esther.org.uk if you guys want to find out more about what we're doing. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.